This is a Hive Mind Studio production. Hello, gods and goblins, deities and deviants, and my fellow what the fucks. You're listening to Playing with Advantage, an informative podcast about the various aspects of the tabletop role playing genre. I, as always, am Kenneth Moffat, the Southern GM, and with me we have the usual gaggle of suspects James the Great Bardwell. Ooh, I like that. And Brody Elder Fenris. Cthulhu Vatagen. I would say bless you. I don't know if that'd be offensive in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) So, folks, you can tell by the kind of more laid back. Well, we usually are laid back here. Today, our topic is uh, anecdotes, our favorite role play stories, maybe a few horror stories added in from that kind of thing. But, yeah, we're going to be discussing our experiences in the role play community, uh, whether they be good or bad, both as players, as dungeon masters, sometimes just as viewers of people playing games. Uh, and so, yeah. So, guys, is there any any story that stands out of the forefront of your brain right now before? Just like one that you wanted to tell that you may have forgotten about, that you've been reminded of, but one that just is one you want to really just go ahead and share with the share with the class, as it were. I, I would like I would really like to hear, like, from your perspective, uh, the time we almost killed you playing d d uh, Yeah. So, folks, if you listen to our earlier episodes, I mentioned that I have a medical condition called hypoinflated lungs. My lungs are underdeveloped. I had asthma as a child, that kind of stuff. Well, if I inhale air too quickly and then try like to like talk or something, it will shock my system and I will pass out. Now, when I say I pass out, it sounds really fun. It's not like the slumping forward kind, you know, oh, 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 dear me, Mr. Beauregard, I feel faint kind of pass out. I have fainted. I do declare. No, no. This is, uh, guys, Moffat's dead. <laughs> it's that level of passing out. Like, when he was telling me about it, I was thinking Scarlett O'Hare passing out, and, like, it would be funny, and I kind of, like, made it a goal to try to get Moffat to pass out in a game, and then when it happened, I regretted Objective it a lot. achieved. Yeah, I felt horrible. So we were playing in Jeff's game where I was playing the uh, the cleric Artie. James was playing the uh, the half orc Theseus. Yes, uh, a lot of a lot of great stories from that game. Actually, a lot. Uh, well, there was a a mountain. In Thank that. you. Thank you for that mountain, Jeff. Thank you for the mountain, Jeff. Uh, the the mountain was like Makatar or Makatir. So it was some some name like that. But we're southern. We're southern. So inevitably, it came out as uh, Makater Mountain. Which, God bless Juniper, uh, <laughs> Ashley, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. Out of nowhere, we just hear Makuter Mountain. <laughs> so that's what it was for the rest of the game. Like the entire in, in, in length of that campaign, it was Makuter Mountain. And, and I remember, because I remember, I, this is the last thing I remember, somebody, I don't know if it was you, if it, it was you, yelled, we got to get up Makuter. <laughs> And I, and I leaned back to inhale to laugh, and then I was floating in a black void. I'm sitting beside him, and I hear, ah, and then nothing. And I turn, and I'm like, this, did he finally pass out? And I look, and like, Moffat is laid back in the chair. Like, I'm talking about unnaturally laid back in the chair. And I thought, oh, shit, we killed Moffat. <laughs> Because like to me, it, it lasted for like in my mind, it lasted for a while. But I was able to like I normally do force myself to wake up. Apparently, it was just like maybe a second or two in real world terms. It was long enough for me to be terrified. So I, I again, I, I come to and I'm just looking around like it happened, didn't it? <laughs> and they're just staring at me like I, like I'm a literal just risen from the dead. Like it was it, it was almost creepy because there was the beginning of that much loved Moffat laugh, but like it ended mid laugh. <laughs> Did uh, we get water? Did we call nine one one? What? Like literally, I turned and I started trying to like, oh god, do I support? What? <laughs> what do I do? And then he came too. And I was like, oh god, that's not as fun as I thought it would be. I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> so now every time it's if I start laughing too hard, it is a chorus of breathe, Moffat, breathe. Uh, mis- mispronouncing a DM's uh, names for things is a time-honored tradition. I know we got my favorite one in Brody's campaign, uh, the original Stagande, which ran for like three years. Um, he had a pretty main main backstory or bad guy named, was it uh, Voldemort's that? 
Is that it? Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, uh, Vora Morzat. Yes, which a ancient black dragon. Which, moldy butt. We we called him uh, Walmart's ball sack ah. uh, for most of the campaign. Uh, <laughs> it was not appreciated by Brody. Um, we got the uh, Brody judgment face every time. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to kill us off. But no, it's, it's not just it's not just uh, it, it is not just like characters. Uh, because like as a dungeon master, a lot of times you'll be getting into the flow of things and you'll stumble across your words. Yeah. Which I think I may have mentioned before. I don't know if I have, I'm still going to tell a story because I love it where uh, it was another, it was another, cause I played a ton of GURPS games. I ran GURPS games and I was describing my players coming out of a, of a forest. They'd been spending days. It took a long journey into this large open, uh, like, like large open plains area. And you see that you stepped out into fields, the, beautiful fields and i was trying to say as you look over the the windswept fields of wheat <laughs> except i stuttered and stumbled and what i said was as you look out over the vast moving fields of weed and my <laughs> players all at once begin to prep their fire-based spells everybody starts pulling out their maps so they can <laughs> mark it like what are you guys doing it's like you said there's fields of wheat. Like, I got fireball. No, no, you idiots. Wheat. <laughs> so now every time, it's, it's a funny thing that every time somebody misspeaks, we just look at them and go, wheat. <laughs> wheat. Emphasis on the T. <laughs> <laughs> so, stories. Uh, let's do a horror story. We'll fix it. Who, who has a good horror story? Well, me and you share one of probably what is the quote unquote best worst horror stories I've ever seen. Yeah, that that is my number one horror that, story. That is mine that, as that's well. the worst game I've ever been in, in my life. You know, God, God bless the shop for doing what they're doing. But the, the, the owner was out this day and he had asked somebody to step in for him. And this guy arrived with the intent to take particular glee in messing up the shop owner's campaign. Um, and the way he did so. Uh, was astronomical in its proportion. I remember, so uh, Mike and I, a friend of ours, had been there the day before, and uh, while we were there talking to the shop owner, a gentleman walked in, and the guy, you know, he was going through uh, a divorce, and he had set down some of the things he enjoyed in his life to try to make, you know, his family life work out. One of those things was D&D. Um, he was looking for some comfort at the time, and he wanted to get back into the hobby, and uh, they had an open game that they run for people. And this guy, you know, was like, hey, I'm going to come back and play with in that. And M Mike and I were like, yeah, that's that's what we came to the coast to do is hit some shops and, you know, yeah. play some D&D. So we showed up the next day and Moffat came with us um, and the guy was there. And uh, it, I, I'll let you go from there because I, I get really frustrated when I think about this. <laughs> so this uh, we, we've mentioned occasionally, this was the game where uh, out of the eight people, like eight or nine people playing, only two of them were not Dragonborn. I was one of the non-Dragonborns. <laughs> I felt awkward. Uh, so we we show up, and it been, we, we show up a little bit late. It been like about five, ten minutes into it. So at first, there was that moment of, oh, well, we showed up, not not really sure what's going on yet, but we'll pick it up as we go. And then Megatron showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Megatron, leader of the Decepticons. Yes. This is a fantasy-based five uh, E Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And so we, what we, what we learned is that all the players woke up in a room with all these different meta and you know real world references. Uh, and no matter what you did or touched, you were sent places and did things. Like at one point, we had to jump down a bathtub sink or sorry, bathtub drain. Uh, we went into this uh, underground cavern where we fought Megatron and just all kinds of... The, like, I knew something was off when the guy uh, started the the introduction with us being waking up in the room and everything. And his OC was the oh. main uh, focal point of the campaign, of, of the session. Like, this is his OC character, who is also OP. Uh, and he is there as this wildly, horribly interpreted Loki-esque individual. God of chaos. Yes. Red Which, flags here. Get your red flags. Ex yes. <laughs> exactly. Like, when when we sat down and he started, you know, describing this and brought up multiple times that the, the protagonist was his OC, uh, I was, like, looking for the door. I was like, I kind of 
kind of want to disengage from this, but stuck it out in the hopes, you know, because there was a lot of people there, yeah. and there was there was a couple there on a date night, their first D&D game. Okay. Um, there was the, the gentleman I had mentioned before who was, like, it broke my heart because he was so hopeful. Yeah. Like, he was happy and excited to be at a table. Like, he was grinning and, like, couldn't sit still in his seat. He was excited. Uh, and well, then as, as things progressed, and we finally get to the end of this, and now we... We're not making any sort of assumptions. This, I hate, I'm moved to call him this at this point, this person running the game. Yeah, do not call him a GM. Yeah, this this person running the game said, quote, I was just here to mess with his game and cause a little chaos. So as such, at the very end, he had us roll like D12s, and we got to add that many levels to the character we were playing. Gosh. Um, uh, like the, and, and he, he violated this man's game every way he could think of. And then there was the part where I, so there was this one individual there. Now they looked to be very feminine presenting, but they were playing a male character. And uh, something was said about, you know, uh, a pact, if you want to do this kind of thing. Uh, how, well, how can we stop all this from happening? And he said, well, one of you have to enter, a, enter into a pact with this deity, this entity. And would give no information, no information ahead of time about what the pact entailed. Because they asked, well, like, what is the pact? You know, yeah. what's the deal? Uh, well, this one individual, they said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do it. And then he said, roll a D12. They, they rolled like, like a seven or an eight. He was okay. And folks, I'm warnings out the, for any kind of contact and triggering. Cause this, this is the part where I almost leapt across that table. He said, okay, your character is now that many months pregnant with this entity's uh, child. He involuntarily impregnated a PC with his OC's baby. Oh. To which the individual spot, well, I have a male character. That, that can't happen. Quoting, I'm quoting this individual. He said, well, this is 2022. Uh, men can be women. Anything's possible. Like at this time, like... The- like I could see Moffat was about to come across the table in the sky, and I'm like, initially I was thinking, how am I going to catch Moffat midair? And then he said that, and I was like, I'll give him a push. <laughs> Thanks. It it did make me feel better when I heard that this was not the normal guy. Like this is not this was somebody that they thought could handle. Well, yeah. should, he, I think he volunteers. No, I'll, I'll run the game. But folks, if. Always vet your, vet your dungeon master, vet your. That's why I love the. High. We have a literal a vetting process. Yeah, we have a vetting process for our DMs. We have a sheet of paper. If you want to run game here, one, you have to fill this out. So I know your preferences and what kind of game you will run. Two, I sit in a session with you before you before you run games here. Like I want to know what I'm putting my people in front of. Right. What's your your customers? Like yeah, these, these exactly. are customers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to make sure people getting the experience they're getting, and like you should do that because if you don't vet, you wind up in this kind of situation. Like one of my. My, one of my personal rules as a dungeon master is please do not bring any sort of fetish or kink to my table. Yeah. This is not, yeah, we, we role play, but we don't do that kind it's, of role play. It's role play, not role play. Yeah. This, this is not a place for you to play out your fantasy, which is why for the longest time I had banned certain, uh, like certain races and lineages from my games, mainly being tabaxi. I've got tons of horror stories about tabaxis. <laughs> huh? I wonder why that <laughs> is the case. Uh, but thankfully the, the amazing people here at the hive, the great players who I know are good players. I've rolled back a lot of my, my things. Uh, but yeah, folks, when I say that this and it, the, the thing that hurt me the most is after you, when you told me about the guy that came there and yeah, because you wasn't with us yeah. today before you, you actually came down just to, to do the game yeah. with us. Right. And this guy, like when he left the slumped shoulders and the, like he was almost kicking rocks out of the door when he left. And I felt so bad for him because this is where his home shop would be yeah. at. Now I like I've had I've talked to like I've had the friends go down there and talked and since then like the other guy is great so I'm you know apparently the shop itself is amazing the the original oh yeah, is, yeah. like we when we spoke to the owner of the shop the day before which is who usually runs yeah. that game um it was it was very impressive you know he's he's got really nice rooms set up um and this is something they do kind of an introductory a free thing that yeah. you can come sit in this store game every week you know and it, it was a great idea and from what I understand he executes it well yeah. But it's just that one one bad time, that one bad apple. And, folks, that's why the, the thing that will break my heart the most is I hear somebody go, well, I used to play D&D. 
but I had a uh, had one bad experience or had a dungeon master or I had this and I don't want to play anymore. Yeah. That that breaks my heart and that makes me want to go on a manhunt in some cases. But uh but I cuz this 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 I'm getting tongue tied. I'm actually starting to get a little emotional there. Sorry, Ashley. Uh this community we're in is supposed to be one of of inclusivity of of acceptance and of of equal treatment, you don't of consent. You don't do things like that, where you literally took consent both from the character and their player. Yeah, and you don't know that individual's history or backstory experiences. There could have been something back there that that is not okay. Yeah, I don't care if you're just you know because <clears throat> he's sound, trying to cause a little chaos. And that the only thing that I see wrong with uh, having the introductory game like that is. Uh, you have to really be on your toes as a game master if you do things that way because you don't get a zero yes. session. Like you're sitting down with people, you know, in the raw, not having any information about their triggers or things that could, you know, hurt them. And you have to really be very insightful and very careful. You also have to be that DM who, because being a DM is all about being able to handle confrontation sometimes. You have yeah. to be comfortable to go, I'm sorry, man, that's not cool. Please leave. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not, you know, not get angry. Just this is a statement of fact. Please leave that. That's not okay. Yeah. I'm fortunate that I've, I have never had true experiences like that at the table in any of my games. I've only had one where I was like, Hey, don't do that. And then it was, it was resolved. Yeah. No more, no more issues were had, but I'm, I consider myself fortunate that I, I don't have horror stories to share i have plenty of uh uh near fainting stories from, <laughs> from sheer laughter i know the uh was, was it last week maybe the week before i can't remember you just recently moffat got back in the uh friday night stagante yes. game that brody runs and uh, i remember i was minding my own business just doing like shop work stuff and moffat's head shoots out from where the game rooms are and he goes, I need dice. <laughs> so, okay. So what did happen? See what happened was. So my character, Bragi, he is a, uh, cause like it takes place in the Sagande world. So I'm playing a Aesir, the, uh, the Asgardian race. And for a while we had basically right kind of where my guy had returned to Asgard to do some stuff. I'm not going to spoil anything for the listeners cause it's going to be interesting. Uh, but I returned, and I had, you know, I had this uh, this set of dice as you know, the evening. Yeah. Except it refused to roll above a seven. <laughs> My dice were trying to kill me. So, like, halfway through, I literally kicked the door open, like, I need dice, and I need them now. Like, it literally was like he had kicked the door open. Like, it kind of startled me, because I'm just standing here doing work stuff, and then, I need dice. I was like, there's packed up, because we went to con. No, the funny thing is, by the end of that session, were it not for an ability of my race, I would have died my first night back. Oh, my God. That would have been horrible. This this massive winged abomination attacked us. Uh, did a thing on its death where like explodes in some sort of energy, uh, and I was like at forty some odd life, and it dealt fifty points of damage. Good God! Thankfully, I have an ability because our the dungeon master is wise beyond his years with crafting homebrew races. Uh, please don't do that again, Brody. That hurt. Uh, <laughs> and I had the ability similar to the uh, the half work where when you go down to zero, you can spend your reaction to come back at one HP. So yeah. I, essentially, I was like, bam. I'm here, but I hurt. I'm here, but I hurt. <laughs> I've become really invested in getting to hear the stories on Friday night when they get done with that campaign. Again, uh, it was this Friday night, I believe. I'm in the shop area doing some work stuff, and I happen to glance towards where the main game room is, and I see Brody walking by the door carrying uh, his tiles and stuff back into the uh, media area. And uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the the animated Grinch movie, but that <laughs> shit-eating Grinch that the Grinch has uh, when he is stealing Christmas. Um, I turn around and Brody is his little black very, three sizes exactly. That day. He is so reminiscent of the Grinch in that moment. And I just kind of cock my head and raise my eyebrow and he goes, they split the party. <laughs> it's like it was the it was Christmas come early for him. Now, 
when when he says we split the party, it wasn't that you know there are two paths and we each chose a different tunnel. No, no, no. Uh, I rolled an amazing investigation and saw that this uh, like this dais in the stone floor could be moved. Like cool, hidden thing. Maybe way to progress story. So we slide it open and like three of us begin to walk down, uh, and then <laughs> Brody goes. And the tile starts to slide back. So Beck's character, Agnar, like, grabs on trying to hold it. And so the three, like, the Barbarian, the Paladin, and the Hexblade Warlock are downstairs while the Rogue, Cleric, and uh, Ranger? Pacifist Cleric. Uh, what is uh, what is AJ? Uh, monk. monk. AJ's a monk, monk, yeah. So, yeah. so while the... the uh, <laughs> The pacifist cleric. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like Daniel's character, what's Daniel's character's name? Um, uh, Stein. Stein. Stein doesn't even carry a weapon, does he? No. Nope. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Just put that information put that out there. Yeah. So, the th essentially, the three heavy hitters are downstairs. DPS separated itself from the party, <laughs> and these three squishiest members of the group. Well, Stein's not that squishy. He's a cleric. AJ um, only has one key point left. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah burning they were out, and it's a dungeon it's meant to burn through their resources oh yeah yeah and uh which i was noticing like anytime uh george was uh going to hit something i was like are you gonna smite and he's like no i'm saving those and he's like i know that there's something waiting for us at the end of this dungeon <laughs> george, look george is smart in those games thankfully brody gave me an item to where i get additional spell slots because a warlock is amazing yeah so like I'm, I'm not i'm not fully out but you know, as a matter of fact, as I was reading that, two other people at the player went. Moffat should have that. <laughs> like Moffat should have that because he why, gets more spell slots. I, that's the reason I'm not giving Montel anything to give that guy more spell slots. He does enough damage with the four <laughs> he has. He does not need any more. Look, it, when they split the party in a dungeon that is filled with blighted eldritch creatures. And blight in your campaign is this contractible thing. Yep. Like you can get blighted and it sucks. It, it progressively gets worse too because you, you will eventually start to mutate. The thing uh, is out of game we know, but in game we don't, that Beck's character Agnar has been blighted. And Agnar awesome. is not going to say anything. <laughs> because Agnar doesn't want to worry the rest of the party. Big eight foot tall lizard barbarian. Easy to yourself, boy. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's, I cannot wait for this Friday to see where it goes from here. Yeah, like I'm almost to the point I want to just sit on the couch in the in the room with you guys and, and listen to that game. You know, we're talking about Dice like screwing you a minute ago. Uh, I just finished up season two of a year-long campaign yesterday with a group, and I've been taunting and just messing with them in our uh, group chat and stuff. You know, I'm, this is the weekend. I hope you guys are ready. You know, this, this is going to be rough. And just like, and I've been messing with them a little bit, uh, and I can't came into the media room and I was like, I'm going to use my Stagande dice, which was a mistake because my Stagande guys, they, they hate me. I'm By the way, I got some new dice for today, Brody, for our Sunday game. Um, I bought you those dice because they're and they are, like cash. They are special to me and I love them. And they'll be but put up I on a think, shelf to where they're going to be seen and not used. I think you bought them because you want to see me suffer. Like, yeah. It is Matter a beautiful fact, gift and a wonderful sentiment that I am going to look at fondly. He doesn't need a cleric every morning. <laughs> look, Matt, play, his, his, he plays a class that's homebrew fire subclass for my setting and he uses like blood dice and they're all d6s so i bought him this really cool uh black and red set of d6s with skulls oh yeah they're really the cool i'm like this is right up matt's alley yeah poor matt his dice just don't love him <laughs> he's been doing better here lately though but yesterday man i i felt like i I underperformed that whole fight. And like as a DM, um, when you talk shit and they get down, sit down at the table and just start wrecking your guys, there was like four main story villains in here and probably 30 ads. Um, and like I, I kept rolling fours, twos, oh, wow. fives all day. Um, it was rough. Like it was probably the roughest fight I've ever had as, as on the DM side of the table. So speaking about dice, uh, there was a, 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 a long-term game we played in GURPS uh, where there was a set of, there was GURPS is a 3D6 system. So you want to roll low numbers. The lowest you can roll in 3D6 is three, one, one, one. Well, there was a set of old metal dice. We don't know where they came from, but they never rolled above a five. Hmm. And it didn't matter who rolled them or when they were rolled. 
and but it was only in GURPS games. Outside of GURPS games, you would roll them normal. They'd be random numbers. But in that moment, when you needed them, they would roll ridiculously low. To the point where they were set on a shelf with a little sing- with a little like you know podium, and somebody made <laughs> made a sign that said the holy D6s. And <laughs> once every session, you could call oh. for the holy D6 to make a roll. And I swear, in the three years, I never saw those dice roll above a five on a roll that they were called for. Jeez. So you're talking about some bad dice rolls. Uh, back in the day when I first started my DMing career, uh, shout out to one of my oldest and and, and best friends, uh, Ben, who got me into playing D&D. Uh, we played games nonstop. We played all kinds of stuff. We played like like anime based stuff. Oh, and, God. and we did everything. Uh, and it, we had so much fun. Anytime, no matter what dice set it was, anytime Ben rolled poorly on a dice, he came to uh, coin a certain phrase that we loved around the table, which was, it's going in the fuck it bucket. (laughs) (laughs) He he would roll and it would just roll poorly. He'd just go, all right, fuck it bucket and toss the dice in there. And he would come and get new dice and start rolling those. So the, the DMs, section for the DM who uh, taught me for like GURPS and stuff, anytime his dice rolled more than three critical failures in a game, he replaced them. And we never knew for a while what was going on. Well, one day after, you know, after this, the shop was moving and stuff, we found some old terrain he had made. And one of the pieces fell and broke. The dice were in the terrain. He was sealing up the dice as weights inside the terrain pieces. That that's like almost <laughs> some weird omenistic like ritual. Because like, <laughs> me and the owners, they're like, was was he expecting like it would it would make us roll bad? Is that because we had to put our pieces on the terrain? Is it's that- almost like the mafia, you know. <laughs> you if you mess up, I'm putting you in the foundation, right? He's just gonna I, pour I, semen I think over that's you. What it was because he also did when he made like a, a dark idol with two d sixes in it, <laughs> so it was it was great. So yeah, that that was like there's no so we like start painting one, like look and you can see like the outline of like three or four sets of yeah. eyes in the bottom of these oh, God. Like, hills and buildings <laughs> and stuff. We're like. This is a lot. I'm a little bit creeped out. This is kind of like, you know, psycho killer levels. We're going to put that down. (laughs) Just going to put that down. Never talk about this again. (laughs) What the hell is that? Is that your dice? They're baked into the terrain. (laughs) These are the dice that have disappointed me. Don't follow suit. It's like when the terrain hits the table, there's just this, this ominous. Oh, background. Like, what is that? Now, we also had a player that, uh, and this didn't, this didn't matter for if it was GURPS, D&D, Trivial Pursuit, Monopoly. Whatever you needed her to roll, she could roll it. Huh. Like, you would go, hey, Candy, we need to roll a six here. She rolled a six. Uh, in, in the in the like in the in, in D and D. Crap. Uh, you know, well, we need a crit here to do this. Okay, I got it. Natural twenty. Uh in GURPS. Well, you need to roll this, rolled it. Perfect. Every time. To where when we did Paragon, which Paragon is the game where you are pulled into a fantasy world based off of your own stats as a base character. Kind of like in this guy. And you build up from there, like being magic and stuff. I'd love to do that one day. Gerb, she got the advantage called Super Luck, where once a game, you can declare a roll, and it's as though you just rolled it. Huh. Which the opposite of that is called, uh, it's called like Super Unlucky, which is where you could declare a critical failure and it happened. Yeah, it was it was interesting to see. <laughs> I use the attack crippling anxiety. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I suffer from this every day. The Goblin Horde feels sorry for you. You have befriended them. <laughs> uh, so one of the one of the uh, fun story I have is back uh, in early gaming career. We used to play a lot of mutants and masterminds. And if you know anything about the, uh, I I don't know, I think it's, yeah, they're on second edition now, or maybe it's third, I don't know. It was an earlier edition of Mutants and Masterminds. And I don't know if you know anything about that system. It's a complete, like, point by uh, system. There's no levels or anything. Uh, You can play at certain PowerPoint levels is what they call it. And it 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 gives you an explanation based on whatever PowerPoint level is like this is like like uh, street level. Yes, like street fighter. There's like some powers or you can go much higher. And it's like this is like DC, Marvel, Paragon, superhero style. We you could play anything in that system using it as a base. But the problem is that early version of the game is easy to break. (laughs) So uh, we played a Transformers game 
because we we thought it would be a lot of fun. And granted, it was, but it was also really easy to break because we found out somebody, Casey, made a character. <laughs> And they told me, it's like, I don't think you realize how, how busted this is going to be. Like, no, nah, it's fine. It'll be fine. AC had an ability as a, he was a little Autobot um, motorcycle dude who had a sniper rifle. <laughs> oh, God. He had a crit range from 12 to 20. Whoa. So Good Lord. He would crit on <laughs> everything. It didn't matter what it was. So I put them up against Starscream. Starscream yes, was Lord dead Megatron. in a few turns very quickly. <laughs> Matter of fact, Daniel and Ben, who were also playing in the game, just kind of sat back and just started joking with each other. And was like, well, we don't ever have to do anything because as soon as the fight starts, Casey's going to kill whatever's in front of us. Yeah, like last Friday, Darren's like, we show just a role play. We don't ever attack anything. We just throw, we role play with each other. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, you want to go to McCabin's? Get a uh, uh, pint of oil? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, I I've, I think that's a pattern with you and Casey though, because I remember uh, you giving him the Moonlight Great Sword in a game, had to break and it. and Casey's like, "This is broken. You shouldn't let me have it." And you're like, "No, it'll be okay." And I think three sessions later, you were like, "It's broken. It broke. It, Bro, you can't you use it anymore. anymore." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll eventually get to uh, have one of those games where it's intentionally overpowered and just be like, "Here, have fun." <laughs> So one of my favorite things actually involves you, James, because it happened just so naturally. And it was in Je the new uh, game that Jeff is running where uh, my character, Jonah, which is very much this like uh, like older style cowboy s. Yeah. Which, you know, Cowboys of the Wild was there was a certain stereotype when it came to saloons and things. You yeah. Know? So I remember that uh, there was the first time it happened where <laughs> sweet. So Jonah walks into this uh, into I, I, I called her Madame LeBeau, but I don't know what her actual name. Oh, God, was. <laughs> and it turns out that the the owner of this local brothel, which was it was a very upscale place. Very not like since I walk in, I take my hat off and just kind of look around. And uh, James character, how goes what? are you doing i'm like you worship your way i'll worship mine <laughs> <laughs> this 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 whole thing when i wrote my backstory for this right um i had one of those like npc write it that's it forget it moments with my my mother and my backstory like halden is a vengeance paladin the whole idea is that um his mother had been a prostitute and you know that was good enough for the guards that he wanted to be a part of them uh to come and spend some coin and have fun but they looked down on them otherwise right and some stuff had happened and the the brothel got burned down and everything and that's why he's this vengeance paladin right he had these altruistic ideas but he had that happen and it kind of bent him a little bit Everybody found out that his mother was a prostitute in the game, I think in the first session, and like it took a life of its own. Um, it got ran with, and um, all of a sudden, his mother is Dolly Parton uh, <laughs> from the best little whorehouse in Texas. Texas, and everybody loves her, and she's a huge part of the game, and the brothel's been rebuilt, and that's kind of our base now. Um, and like it, it's so much fun. <laughs> Absolutely not what I intended. Um, it was a throwaway part of backstory to help establish my character in my mind. Uh, but now I have to contend with everyone interacting with my mom who runs the brothel. The funny thing is, like, Jonas loves making jokes about it. Jonah is scared to death of your mother. Well, we're all kind of scared of her. Like, it's Dolly Parton, right? <laughs> yeah. Best you know? <laughs> like, when she, when she talks, you kind of have to listen. But, like, it's it's hilarious because, you know, Moffat's playing a bard in this game, right? We all know what bards are like, you know? Um, <laughs> there's a lot of jokes about, you know, orange juice and keeping your vitamin C up and everything. Uh <laughs> Again, came from nothing. Just a moment, one sentence in a backstory that the, got... The moment that got me was where it was that throwaway joke about, like, somebody said, you know, where'd you get this? And you mentioned, oh, my mom gave... And then I just went, your mom gave to me last night. You just turned and went, fuck you, Jonah! <laughs> in, the, in my Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> 
to the point where, like, uh, last week, you you were not feeling well, so you couldn't make it. And something was said about Battle of the Boat where I got up, moved chairs, sat down, and went, fuck you, Celia. <laughs> it was the- the, the, that campaign has a catchphrase, and it's fucked. It's but fucked, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the catchphrase. Oh, my God. And that is the hardest accent to keep in line. It is. Like, do you guys have trouble with, like, a specific accent? Like, for me, that one is all over the place. Irish. It's Irish, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, and in Casey, in, in the current Stagande campaign, he, him and his whole family have an Irish-style accent. It's infectious, too. It, yeah, but trying to maintain that as one of his family members talking to him is really hard. I've never had a problem with the Irish accent. I can do them pretty well, and it stays in check a lot of the time as I'm speaking with it. You just got to remember, it's more of a fluid accent. The one that gets me is my Australian accent, because I have to focus on this muscle right here to keep it going. If I let this relax, it slides into Cockney, and it's just, it's just, not a very good thing. Australia and really, Cockney are really close. Yeah. I've gotten really good at doing that on Friday nights because of a certain NPC. <laughs> just yeah, you and practice because the way I was taught for that, you, you speak, you got a water gum in the back of your throat, and you're trying to hold it as you talk. So you have to keep this muscle tense right here, and it'll, it'll actually keep that accent going very well for you. But if you let it, if you let it relax, you get into this like kind of Cockney down the road accent. They'll go, that it's, it's yeah. <laughs> For me, if I want to do co- if I want to do Australian, I have to go watch Crocodile Dundee again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an off. This is an off. Also, ru- my Russian accent will sometimes switch into German because they're so very similar across the different uh, vowels and things. I did butcher with a Russian accent, and I enjoyed that for like three years. <laughs> it didn't last very long. You'd slip out of it. In and yeah, out of it. I did. Like, when I'm doing like if I'm running a, uh, a game, like a lot of times I'll have to go. Okay, guys, I gotta drop the accent and tell you what I need to tell you now. So, but yeah, yeah. Like there's conveying information, and then there's ambiance, right? Yes. And like if you need to convey information, sometimes you have to come out of the ambiance. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about accents in a funny, uh, funny way, funny story? Uh. <laughs> Bless him. Bless him so much. I don't think he'll ever DM for us again. You know, that's the that's the Southern equivalent of, you know, the the bless his heart. Bless his heart. No, yeah. I'm legitimately saying bless him. I hope he will DM for us again, but I don't think he ever will. I've tried so hard. Like, hey, you should you should try DMing, you know, try. It. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't really have time to do it. And the one time that Casey decided to run a game for us. We decided to play, uh, he wanted to play uh, the Iron Kingdoms, which is the the War Machine and Hordes uh, set, uh, setting. And so in this setting, we had like a very, very mixed party. We had a paladin, we had like a, a Nis swordsman, uh, we had a, a circle druid, uh, and we had two Gatormen. I'm sorry, Casey. Me and Matt decided to play Gatormen, and I was like, I'm like the dark brooding one. <laughs> and Matt comes in here straight up, by you, boy. Uh, it became infectious, and I, I quickly dark and brooding, like quickly down. shifted into like enabler for uh, Matt. <laughs> dark dear and God. brooding became that dare Boudreaux. <laughs> You like, go in the water, you don't come out the water. I was... <laughs> Need to go get you. <laughs> you know how we teach our babies to float? We take your lungs out and blow them up like floaties, and that's how we get our babies to float. <laughs> breathe, Moffat, breathe. Do not kill Moffat during this podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you can make it? I'm good. Okay. I'm good. You good, Cher? I'm, I'm good, Moshe. I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I remember, so I was playing the Paladin in that one, and like... Paladins in the Iron Kingdom games are very specific, right? They function a very specific way. There's not a lot of leeway there. And I'm trying to play this very serious character that falls in the, the restrictions of the Iron Kingdom's idea of a paladin. And then I have Boudreaux and Thibodeau over here uh, just wrecking that. Cooking bacon. Uh, at some point, oh yeah, yeah, I remember we fought the uh, the pigmen and like set some stuff on fire incidentally, uh, and there were some pigmen around and like I, my guy happened to notice the smell of bacon, and I that think you're is trying to do accidentally, or was it just an incident where you said no, things? no, no? It was an accident okay. initially, <laughs> but like that specific initially, yeah, initially. that specific moment is where the seriousness of my paladin completely broke down and gave way to the atrocity that we performed on Casey's table, <laughs> um, because my my paladin, very strict, follow the rules guy, realized that. Pigmen smell like bacon when you cook them. 
And the Gatorman, I don't know if you know about Gatorman, but they eat everything, including people. <laughs> and they actually have a rule called, I think it's ornery. They have to eat within a certain uh, time period or they, they get uh, angry. Oh, God. So we finished this fight. The smell of bacon is wafting <laughs> through the air from these pigmen, right? And uh, these two Cajun Gatormen uh, are just snacking down and like my guy's there mouth watering trying to retain his palate and composure but bacon <laughs> and they're like you want some and my guy's like no i can't that's maybe just a bite <laughs> and like from that moment on the well, whole all, the game was a cartoon well, from there on people weren't they they were <laughs> but if, they taste like bacon now well, I mean, if they're kj gatorman you know it's gonna be good food so <laughs> I mean, it was delicious. Like, it was a, you don't even have to try. Like, just put some heat to it. There was one where it, it, it started off as like this. It was another Paragon game where I was playing for my friends. They were pulled in. And um, one of my friends is named Neil. Y'all, y'all probably met him before. Yeah. Um, well, at one point, they come across, it was this whole thing because, you know, Moffat's Moffat, there were dragons. Well, they come across this elder black dragon who's this whole big anti, their big protagonist, this whole big thing. And as he, like, kind of does this whole big speech, he just, the only thing you can do is submit and kneel. And he just goes, what? (laughs) (laughs) Kneel before, what? (laughs) I love those moments. Why don't you kneel? What? Why do you keep screaming at me? Because you keep calling my name. I fucking hate you. Because how I many kept- how many Fs are we allowed on the show? Because like we, I think we've exceeded our allowance today. We we got up the rating on this one. Yeah, we got to change the rating. But yeah, that and I it, it didn't occur to me until he said because you keep screaming my name and I just glared at him. It's <laughs> like man, I've never seen you that mad at me. Uh, I had one one last thing to add to that previous story. Uh, you know those those baby holsters that parents will wear, where it's like yes. the baby is strapped oh god, to the front yeah. Of you? We had a guy that we captured. I don't know if he was a bad guy or not. I don't can't really remember. I think he was like non-combatant. Signar. He was a Signar guy, if Signar, I remember right. Uh, somehow or another, he got strapped to Matt's character oh, and god. as like a little baby holster. And yep. we were using him as a guy. <laughs> Under the threatened pretense that we would eat him. So, like, he saw them eating the other, the pigmen, right? And, like, they threatened this guy. And he's like, I'll tell you whatever you want. Um, But we needed information on the go. So they just rig him up a baby carrier. And then, like, he's, like, strapped to the front of this gator man. And we're trying trying to move through this campaign. And, again, it is impossible to play a serious character at this point. Y'all can't see right now, but our our tech got on Matt. Matt's just grinning. Just grinning. You know what you did. Yes, I did. I'll do it again, too. Matter of fact, I think we forgot that he was strapped to us, and yeah. we went into the water and death rolled. Yeah. And Casey was like, that guy's still strapped to you. Yeah. I think he's dead now. I just want to say that uh, when I do things, I do them just the right way. That way nobody nobody can question my integrity of being a Gatorman. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. So never playing that again. Uh, <laughs> please, please run more games, Casey. If you listen to this, so please. speaking about water. Uh, so uh, when I first started running, I knew nothing about magic items, and I would just, you know, these guys had played longer than me. I'm sure they're there for my best interest, and would tell me. So there's this there's this lake in Pathfinder called Lake Incarthen, which is the largest lake in the world. It's like a basically it's an inland sea. And, uh, well, it turns out that in the southern part, in the southern continent, of uh, there's a city called uh, Amarat or something. What are these things called the Water Lords? Where they are over the, uh, it's, a very, it's a desert city, so that, but and they control the water that goes to the population. So they rule basically by going, yes, you get water. No, you don't. Well, my, my players didn't like this. They didn't like the fact that, you know, people had to basically go and beg for water. They went to Lake Incarthen with several bags of holding and submerged these bags of holding in the lake and proceeded to drain the lake of fish, water, the several leviathans that canonically live within that lake. And then after draining this lake to bare bones, they went back to the eye to this desert and just turned the bags over. Oh, they turned the desert into a marshland. 
proceeded then to pick up the the once they died of suffocation because a kraken and leviathan their body cannot survive outside of the water because of its own size they suffocate proceeded then to cook and eat these krakens <laughs> sold something called kraken milk which got the great line of you know how you milk a kraken no i don't want to know how to milk a kraken <laughs> I'm morbidly curious, but I don't want to ask. No NPC ever did. They just like. I feel like you you should just put that into a Google search engine, turn safe search off, and hit images. No. (laughs) No. Where did you get Kraken milk? You ever milked a Kraken? No. (laughs) I didn't know you could milk a Kraken. Uh, Not in the way that you think. Which, by the way, that then there was another game where they were a uh, a rock band, which became known as a Rufus and the Krakens. Just kind of a callback to that. They destroyed an ecosystem. And then created a new ecosystem <laughs> in a different place of the world. They're eco-terrorists. Like I said, first game. Learned a lot of stuff from those guys. Jeez. I remember we pretty much financed a whole campaign uh, in your world, uh, from which there weren't many dragons in, in there. Uh, the Stagande guys, the Wayward Sons. Uh, killed a dragon and, and then had the bright idea, hey, let's take this back to Hearth, like the hometown, and we'll offer it to the inn and see if they can do some kind of promotional selling dragon meat. And like oh, the yeah. prosperity of the town jump started because it was just this little like three building town or whatever. But uh, when adventurers and nobles and things found out they could eat dragon meat like everyone started flooding into this city delicacy yeah and like it jump-started the economy in hearth and that's how it kind of sprang up and it's like even a it's a city now like 100 years later in your game capital city oh yeah the capital emiria yeah that's where oh wow heliar is going to that we were all supposed to be going to his heart so yeah uh, matter of fact, I think <laughs> harking back to earlier story of Vor- Morzat when y'all when he was defeated oh, for the second time. Huh? Uh, butt. There was like a- explicit arguments over um, rights to strip mining its corpse. Oh wow! Like scales, hide, wings, claws, teeth, uh, meat sinew uh, everything bones but like the the empire the saurian empire were like we want some of that why don't i just imagine the scene from peach dragon you know dragon cartilage keeps you thin there's these two guys every every little piece every little just yeah look in in real life i have a i have a marketing background when we killed that dragon the first thing that went through (laughs) my brain is like we can make money off of this. Like, we just need a little bit of advertising. This is like straight up some Monster Hunter style. Like, all right, oh, yeah. it's dead, strip it. Yep. <laughs> you ever had that player that's taken an item you've given them, used it completely out of the, like, just out of the way it's meant to, but it still works because of how loosely based the item is written? Brody is staring at me right now. I do pride myself on trying to do that with everything I touch. My, mine is uh, my friend David, which we, we call him uh, Murdoch because when he plays the game, he's basically Murdoch. Murdoch from the A team. You never know what he's going to do. That's the wild card, That's man. The wild card. Well, I want to plan. I I gave him. Well, he found the uh, that the cube, the uh, instant fortress. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, you put it, set it down, and occupied space yeah. becomes a fortress. Well, they were uh, they were fighting this massive creature. Like this thing was like this ancient like worm. Uh, and I get, okay, Murdoch, what are you doing? He goes, uh, I'm going to take my fortress out. I'm like, okay, uh, I mean, you can do this. Try to set up, maybe have some time, but they're just still a wrap. No, no. I want to bury the fortress. Or what? He goes, yeah, I want to bury the fortress. Okay. He goes, I'm going to bury just at the top of it still, just above the ground. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, cool. So, uh, and then somehow just turn, yada, yada, yada. They start blurring the worm toward that part of the ground. Okay. Murdoch, what do you do? I activate the fortress. <laughs> we sent the worm into space. I like it. I'm like, you do. Uh, it's just that. I'm like, okay, well, the worm is now in orbit. It's like the scene from the new uh, Mass Effect game. The big thing is floating around. But yeah. Oh, God. I, I have those. That's the thing. All of these... Be they for good or ill, all these stories do, they stay with you. They they build your experience as a player, as a dungeon master, and they cultivate the kind of person you either want to be or don't want to be. Yeah. And we we have got, I'm sure I could sit and think of 
dozens of more stories. But unfortunately, folks, we are we live in a temporal reality. And as such, we are running out of time. Yep. So time is a soup. Uh, is it chicken noodle or beef stew? It's cereal. I don't know. Cereal is a breakfast soup. I will I will die on this hill. I can live with that. <laughs> so what with with that look of confusion from our <laughs> dear Brody's just like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> uh we as always want to thank all you guys for listening to us, uh, be it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to Playing with Advantage and these three idiots, which we have some uh upcoming news, by the way, that we'll be joining by a I don't want to say a fourth idiot, but we will be <laughs> we will be adding a new host. Uh, coming really soon, the great night. Uh, almost mixed her name up there. Night rain. The great night rain. Uh, she will be uh, joining the Playing with Advantage crew and be adding some amazing perspective. And her resume is just it's it's humbling. The, the, the amount of stuff that she has does cosplay, DMing, different games, yeah. artwork. It's just very talented individual. Cannot wait wait to have her as part of of this this podcast. Uh, if you are wanting more D&D-related content, though, uh, head on over to Twitch and watch Dagande Scars of Midgard every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, you usually run to about 4.35 o'clock, and then after that, starting at 6, you get The Legends of Fatera, Adventures of the Natural Ones, which is my guys. Uh, we got to get you a streaming game going, James. That way we can... <laughs> Funny you say that. Uh, I'm working on something now that I just finished up that campaign mm. that I would like to stream, and it is canonically in the Supernatural universe, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to use the Aberrant system for it, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the family business, and we're about to get into it. Uh, so with that, thank you guys all so Area. much for listening to us. Please go... <laughs> Go follow us on Twitch, on Twitter, Instagram. Check out thehiveofmacomb.com, this amazing place where we do all this stuff from. As I say, we are live from the Hive all the time. Uh, so with that, I am Kenneth Moffat, a.k.a. the Southern GM. James at the Hive. Brody, elder fan. And as always, folks, be good to each other because we only get one shot. Later. Later.